Hey, what's up, guys? Clint McGill with Baseball Notes and Strong Mind Sports Podcast here. And uh, pumped to be with you here today. Thanks for joining us. And uh, today's guest, we have Brent Porcio from topvelocity.net. And uh, Brent is one of the pioneers in this uh, kinetic chain, really, you know, taking a new approach to pitching. And uh, obviously, we've seen a revolution in Major League Baseball with guys just throwing obscenely hard. And uh, it's a large part in due to this new approach that people have uh, taken over the last few years where, you know, we've challenged convention where, you know, pitchers aren't supposed to lift. Pitchers are supposed to, you know, work on their grip and work on their cardio. And uh, there's a new approach. And uh, there's a lot of different um, uh, teachers out there right now that are really testing things. And, you know, what's interesting is a lot of it, uh, I shouldn't say a lot of it, but there's a fair amount that conflicts with each other, right? And so that's why we try to bring so many different voices to you guys here is that we can introduce different methods to people and uh, you guys can kind of judge for yourself what you think is best, what works, what doesn't, and uh, just, just kind of uncover all the nuances there because Brent's not a big fan of the heavy ball throwing and the high intent and uh, has to be done under you know extremely careful circumstances and uh, he has just a fascinating story. I think you're going to love it. This is from the Youth Baseball Summit uh, filmed a couple years ago. And if you go to the Facebook page, I have posted this. Um, all of these these sessions were you know paid to be able to view them. Uh, but I posted this one. He has a couple of like little hand gestures whenever he's talking about the hip sockets and things like that that I think kind of helps. You know what I mean? And uh, and how you're you know building momentum whenever you're pitching. And so uh, this is airing you know the end of February 2020. You know uh, February like 28th, 29th ish. We got leap year this year. So if you want to go back and uh, check out the Facebook page and watch the video online. It's a little bit helpful. And uh, also just be stay with us a little bit. Uh, when we start talking about kinetic chain and all these types of things, it can get a little bit confusing, uh, but stay with us. You know what I mean? There's a lot of really gold nuggets in here and uh, man, just, just some really cutting edge stuff and uh, excited to bring it to you. And before we get started, this is usually about time when we talk about a transformation from a student of ours. Uh, but today's going to be a little bit different. Um, I'm just going to uh, drop a little hint your way and let you know that I'm working on a project that I am extremely excited about. And there's you know a lot of questions I get from people like, man, this has been great. We've really enjoyed it. And uh, you know, oftentimes, like the proper mindset, a good attitude, it's kind of like a bath, right? Like it's extremely effective, but you have to do it on a regular basis or it loses its value, right? And so I've come up with a new method that uh, I'm not quite uh, prepared to tell you more about, but I just want to let you know to uh, be on the lookout, right? Be opening up your emails, be checking the Facebook page the next few weeks. Uh, we've got uh, a really interesting, a really exciting opportunity for you. Probably going to be pretty limited. So um, anyway, just be mindful of that and uh, you'll be hearing more about it. So anyway, just want to let you know, uh, be looking out for that. It's going to be super cool. And uh, anyway, without further ado, let's get to the interview with Mr. Brent Porcio. Um, so let's go ahead and kind of dig into your past a little bit. For those people who you know, are kind of unfamiliar with you or maybe learn a little bit about you for the first time, um, tell us a little bit about your story and uh, your path, where you kind of got started in baseball and what's, what's brought you to where you are now. Yeah, so I was a player, but my, my career took, had a big, uh, ran into a big bump in the road when I tore my rotator cuff at 18. It was my first college appearance, and um, I knew it was coming. I, you know, I was trying to hide it. I was 
you know, taking tons of ibuprofen and icy hot and just trying to get through it. Right. And then my first college appearance, fourth inning, it went to straight dead arm, meaning I threw the pitch and it laid down to my side and I couldn't pick my arm up. So that would be the, the, the quintessential uh, definition of dead arm. Right. So first I, I, college appearance, no kidding, huh? Yeah. And yeah, right. It sounds like a movie. So then they take me <laughs> and then I go to the doctor, the MRI and, and I tore my supraspinatus and that's a career ending injury. Doctors looked at me and said, uh, you're never going to play again. Like I don't see you having enough college eligibility and, how I was just a late bloomer. I was underdeveloped that you would be able to get it back. And it was really tough. I was 18. It pushed me into some, some, some pretty strong depression. Uh, you know, there's a lot of identity at that age and do your, what you do in your sport. And so, but it was a crossroad and, and I made a decision of, I could either just quit or just somehow stay on this path and see what happens. And, and I chose to do that. And it, it, you know, and at that point I, I kind of continued to do what I'd always done, which was follow the, the, the trends and, and just the conventional wisdom of baseball. And, and it kept just showing me that uh, it wasn't going to happen. So I, I got really fed up with conventional wisdom and I, I made a strong stand to, to get away from it. I wanted to hear another perspective. So I wound up getting around Kurt Hester, who's in the strength and conditioning hall of fame. He's a uh, head strength coach of Louisiana tech getting around uh, you know, his mentor, Gail Hatch uh, learning from, you know, the wisdom of Tom house back then hip to shoulder separation. And I, I was looking at things out of the box, you know, more biomechanically, more, uh, you know, athletically through Olympic coaches, Olympic training. And I just I was like, you know what, I just really believe in this. And Kurt Hester told me, he said, look, I might not help you throw again. I don't, I don't know if that'll ever happen, but I'll make you the biggest, strongest, fastest guy that you want to be. And I said, you know what, let's just go that road. I went that road and and I really master built an elite athlete in the athleticism. And then I started to master the biomechanics that I was learning at the time and really trying to get out of the box and understand the really the medical terminology around it. And I'm, you know, it didn't, it didn't happen overnight, but I'm all of a sudden I'm low to mid nineties, harder than I had thrown before. I, I mean, I was a different person. I was 40, 40 pounds heavier. And I wound up uh, getting into pro ball and playing ind independent professional baseball in San Diego for the San Diego surf dogs. And, and I, and I enjoyed it. I went, I played in Europe as well, professionally, and I just, I realized after a couple of years of that, that I wasn't going to build a career at 28. This is, I'm finishing it at 28, um, just getting my feet wet in professional baseball. That wasn't really going to build a major league career. So I just, I felt like it was a good point. I, I retired because I didn't like the situation they were putting me in, in, in this indie league, in this golden league. They were trying to send me to Yuma and I just don't like Yuma. And I decided to retire. And I felt like, you know, I could, I could serve a better purpose in this game at this point in my career and what I've been through by coaching what I had learned. So I took my programs that I had been writing down for years and I put them online and I just put them out there on top velocity. And this is 2007 at that point. And it, it took off mainly because I, I captured the internet at a good time. And also I had a very out of the box, unconventional approach. And there was a lot of people like me that were either injured or struggling that wanted to see it a different way. And it, it just exploded. And ever since then, I've, I've continued to push it. Obviously I've, I've helped hundreds and hundreds of athletes do the same thing I did, you know, add five to 10 plus miles an hour, break 90, you know, go play pro ball, live their dreams. And that's, what's really kept me going. And then I've been researching it extensively uh, and in researching it, okay, kill, close that door. And in researching it, um, I've gotten it to a really an elite understanding now. 
And with that, I attracted teams like the Rays and the Dodgers and worked with them as a biomechanics analyst. Also, the Indians, the Diamondbacks have been down here. Um, the Yankees wanted to come. We had it never, you know, worked out. But so I, I got a lot of major league attention, um, and and I continue to build it. What it is, we just had a, a Korean team in here recently. We work. We have um, we have kids that come up from the Bahamas in here to train, um, and people all over the world, Australia. So it's it's been awesome, man. It's been a long road though. Yeah, that's uh, I love that story. I mean, the best um, the best teacher is experience, you know, and uh, I feel like I think a lot of people feel the same way is that uh, you go online or you have your coach and uh, they're, they're just kind of repeating what they were taught when they were a player and they have the best intentions. And, you know, whether it's a hitter and like hands inside the ball and like, why are we doing that? Well, it's because I've, I was told to do that. You know what I mean? And there's conventional wisdom, like you said. So being forced to try something new is you know kind of what you know lays new foundations so um so i kind of want to talk about like what you did like what's the conventional wisdoms that uh, that you found to not work for you or that you found better ways to uh better, better ways to perform you know coaching through theory coaching through uh, a select few of guys that you think do things right is conventional right it's like oh well all these pitchers put their arms here or put their you know, their trunk here, you know, it's, it's not really understanding scientifically how the kinetic chain works, how the body works, uh, I think is very conventional. It's becoming now more conventional to start learning medical terminology and, and kinesiology and how the body works. But uh, if you're not look or coaching through an understanding of uh, kinesiology or kinematics is what it's called, biomechanics, uh, then you're really you're ultimately going to fail the athlete if he's trying to get to an elite level. Um, so, I, you know, that's the convention wasn't there. Also, too, how do you train that? You know, a lot of the old school mentalities of you don't lift. You know, I was one, I was the first guy online pushing Olympic lifting for pitchers and a very rare few at the time pushing even lifting for pitchers. Now it's become a lot more common. So it was getting, you know, conventional wisdom from understanding how the body is moving pitch mechanics wise and then understanding how we train that um is is what what i really changed and got away from i gotcha yeah no that's interesting i know whenever uh you know i was a player i retired whenever i was uh what was it 2006 so it's been over over 10 years now and uh, we would do the jobs we do all the shoulder stuff but i mean there was no pressing going on anything above yeah. your head was just they just said don't do it right. and uh and so I see people doing overhead squats and I just like, I'm like, you're going to die. You know what I mean? Like, it's just yeah, like, right. that's ingrained <laughs> in me. And, uh, and then you see guys who are, are having success, throwing hard, doing all this sort of thing, who are doing those. And I'm like, well, wait, they didn't die. You yeah. know what I mean? So you start to wonder, you know, it just starts to challenge the things that you've been taught. So, um, so, so what's something that is, you see being taught a lot today that uh, you don't agree with? Well, I mean, everyone knows me for the weighted ball argument. You know, I'm a big proponent against uh, extreme or high intent throwing. I don't like high intent throwing across the board. Um, I think problem is, is it starts to break down. The biomechanics start to break down. And then when the biomechanics break down, we always go to the arm. And the arm takes all the abuse. That's why all the injury is there. So I'm, I'm a big proponent against high intent weighted ball training against um, max effort throwing, like in, uh, you know, distances, anywhere where the, the biomechanics are, are breaking down due to the uh, intent or the in intensities of the throw. So. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. I know there's uh, that's, that's, you know, kind of all the rage right now. And uh, you hear, you know, a lot of, a lot of, 
arguments that make a lot of sense, you know, for the, the layman's guy that, uh, you know, that the, the weighted balls is actually making people throw harder. And the proof is in the pudding that it's actually doing that. But is it, you know, is it causing any injuries? I think that's what people are kind of afraid of. Um, you get people who are being monitored, professional pitchers are being monitored by, you know, uh, other professional trainers. And then you got kids at home that just bought, a, you know, seven ounce ball or whatever. And now they're trying to replicate it. And that seems a little bit dangerous. So, um, so, so what do you, what, what's kind of your secret sauce for developing velocity if you're not doing the high intense or, um, you know, is it just, just mobility and strength or, or what have you found that has improved, improved velocity, um, safely? Well, it's the kinetic chain, right? So it's, it's think of a whip. A whip is a, a really simple understanding of the kinetic chain. Like when we move a whip, if we want to move it really well with a lot of speed, right? We would move the handle, right? We'd put the force in the handle. We wouldn't go to the end of the whip and try to work through the end of the whip. We would grab the handle, the meat of the whip, the, the foundation of the whip, and we would move the force through the handle of the whip. And that's really the thing. We don't want to go to the end of the chain and try to overemphasize the end of the chain because there's small muscle groups there. There's a very delicate shoulder capsule there that has to work so sophisticatedly hard to keep it stable uh, that if we overdo that as much as we throw, um, and, you know, it, we're going to be injured. And we already have a pattern of injury. So we're already in a sport where there's a very good chance you're going to injure your shoulder or your elbow. So I'm, I want to be like use the whip analogy and I want to teach them how to grab their handles, which to me is the hips and the trunk. And I want them to put more force through that like to me what the way i look at it is the arm moving the whip handle if that's the legs moving the hips and trunk i want to put more force through the hips and trunk so my arm doesn't have to do the work and if you look at all the studies it shows that it's exactly what healthy pitchers do they get more momentum more power through the hips and trunk and it reduces stress to the arm because now the arm is not having to do the work Okay. Fascinating. Yeah. That makes sense. Logically, um, you know, to, you know, not have to just work on your, just your release there and focus on that, uh, on, on, you know, the end of the chain, so to speak. So, um, when driving, you know, with your hips and trunk to develop that, you know, what does that look like? I like the word you said, momentum, um, is that, cause I've also heard, you know, pitchers, they don't want to, let's say if I'm a right-handed pitcher and I'm throwing this way, Oops, excuse me. What you don't want to do is to be leaning forward too much. But, you know, what is what is generating momentum or, you know, generating enough power through your trunk look like for a pitcher that's doing it right? Well, the foundation of the trunk is the hips. So the hip capsule is what is is what will potentially move the trunk. Right. So it's really about getting the force through the hips, through uh, a linear or a lateral movement and to the rotational movement the trunk is just going to react to that so what's driving that hip complex is the legs so it's teaching the legs how to work together in unison because they're connected to the outside of the hip teaching the legs to work together to move energy down the mound and through the hips and then that will translate through the trunk because the the hips is moving the trunk and then it moves up the chain so you got to learn how the, the legs work together to move and rotate the hips. And once you start to learn that, and what you start to learn is a lot of amateurs or guys that don't throw hard, they have a lot of restrictions in their hips and their legs. Either they, they have weak legs, they have immobile legs, so that they, they have a very hard time doing that. So what they do is they just wind up going to the end of the chain and trying to do it at the end. Oh, wow, interesting. So, because um, that's what I was interested to know is what guys who are coming to you who are doing things wrong look like. And so, 
Um, so when you say that they have mobility issues, I mean, what's a good for somebody at home? Maybe they're thinking, man, maybe my hips are a little bit tight. Is that something that you address from, from squatting or is there some sort of, you know, stretching like yoga type poses to, to increase that mobility, a little bit of both? What do you guys do for someone who's tight? So the anatomy is an amazing thing. And the way the anatomy works is it's always trying to stabilize the system. So the, the, the central nervous system's number one priority is to stabilize the system. So in stability, it goes to the, the muscle that can provide the best sport, support in that joint. But if that muscle is weak, then sometimes it will get other muscles to overcompensate. So when you have a system that more than likely in an amateur is weak and the wrong muscles are activating, meaning there's overcompensation for the muscles that should be doing it. And if the, the, the right muscles were stabilizing, you would actually have freer movement, better movement, healthier movement. So you, in someone like that, you have to do several things. You kind of have to take a multifaceted approach. You have to start to uh, relax those muscles that are overcompensating because they're tense and they're tight because they're trying to help out for something they shouldn't be helping out for. So they're kind of overworked. So I got you. You have to get them to relax. So what we'll do is we'll mash those, we'll massage. Uh, we'll try to get them to calm down and, and, and chill out. And then once that happens, will maybe start to stretch because a lot of times they restrict range because like I said, they're overworked because they're not the most efficient muscles to stabilize the joint. So we'll start to stretch them now that they're relaxing and kind of restore the range. And then we'll start to build the strength and the better, the bigger muscle, the better stabilizer to then take over. So those muscles can stay out of the equation or, or do their job and not have to help and overcompensate. And then all of a sudden you start to enhance the mobility and the range and the freedom of the joint. And then once you do that, then that in itself changes mechanics. Your body then starts to work differently because it goes, Hey, I don't have to use these other muscles to stabilize that joint. They can be used for other things for helping better create better movement in the joint as opposed to stabilizing the joint. And now your body's like, hey, I got more freedom in this hip now. Now I can move it. Now I can power it. Now I can move my trunk better. So that's really the process. You got to really get into the joint that's, uh, that's inefficient. And you have to go through mashing, or we call it three S's, smashing, stretching, and strengthening. Okay. No, that's, uh, that's fascinating. So uh, when it comes to that back leg, just one more, not to get too deep in the weeds for everybody, um, but I think a lot of people find this interesting. I know I do. So um, when you are talking about, you know, generating the power from the lower half, um, when you're using that back leg to drive off, is it not so much just really pushing off that back leg, but really focusing on the rotation? Does that seem to be more important or is there, um, you know, because I know guys are like trying to stride as long as they can. Sometimes it sounds like that doesn't help if you don't rotate the hips. Am I understanding that right? Right. You've, so you've got two functions uh, in, in energy production. Uh, well, actually, we, let's just let's put it in the three planes. So there's three planes of movement um, is the frontal plane, which is the lateral movement. It's the side to side movement. There's the transverse plane. That's the rotational movement. And then there's the sagittal plane. That's the forward and back movement. So in okay. multifaceted, you use all of that. So what we're really trying to do is always build power through the three planes. We want to power through the lateral plane, which is the initial out of your leg lift, the lateral stride. Then we want to power through the transverse plane. That's the, the rotational movement. Then we want to finish with power through the sagittal plane. So an, an elite pitcher would be maximizing power through all those planes. 
So you, it's not about just the rotational plane. It's not about just the linear or the sagittal or the, the lateral plane. It's about getting them to work together to maximize energy through all three planes. That's the key. Uh, okay. I gotcha. No, that, uh, that makes sense. You know, it's, it, uh, such a, such a complex move sometimes, you know what I mean? It's uh, a lot going on movement, there. It's the hardest movement in all the sports. The, the speeds at the end of the chain have been recorded up to 7,200 degrees per second. And you know, that's in college baseball players. It's recorded that high. And that's the fastest human movement ever recorded in sport. So it is the, to me, the, the most advanced movement in sport because it generates the fastest movement at the end of the chain. So you, you got to understand there's nothing really simple about it as far as really trying to understand it, but you can simplify it um, at the end of the day and make it easy, easier to to understand and learn. So Yeah, no, that's fantastic. That's fantastic. Yeah, people want to know, man. There's so many people getting hurt out there. And, uh, you know, a lot of guys have some great potential just having the experience of playing in, in college and, you know, maybe playing in professional is such a cool uh, experience for people that are missing out because they're they're getting improper instruction and they're they're just not maximizing what they can do and uh, so that, that kind of leads me we've kind of talked a little bit about the lower half and there's a term that I wanted to share uh, with the audience and I've I've debated back and forth on whether we should go there or not because it sounds a little bit overly technical um, but at the same time I, the, I, it keeps coming up from uh, from a lot of the best teachers online anyway and I think it's important for people to hear. So, and that term is scap load. So it sounds so technical, uh, uh, you know, your scap, I was like, I think that's your, your shoulder blades. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? I wasn't even sure. Um, but I've heard a lot of people talk about how important that is in, you know, the kinetic chain and all this kind of thing. So, so tell us a little bit about the scap load and why we should care about it. Well, you know, two, two ways we can look at it. Scap load would be, um, Scap, loading the throwing arm scap or loading, load, loading both scaps. And it's just what it is, is just pinching your blades back. I don't, I'm not a big proponent of scap loading in both scaps. Um, they, they, even though they're doing it, I just don't want a kid to try to consciously pull the glove scap back because it creates some, it could create something called early trunk rotation. If we pull the glove side early, it will cause rotation in the trunk early, and then it put the arm in a compromised position to basically receive more torques, meaning the arm could drag uh, or, or out of that drag could push, and it makes the arm uh, receive more torque. So I try to get away from the scap loading concept of the glove side. Now, the throwing arm side, it is a very important thing to understand. But once again, we're at the end of the chain. So if you aren't doing all the things under that correctly, if you aren't stabilizing your hips, uh, studies show your scaps will never be stabilized. So this is really like something you do at the end of your training or you really want to develop and understand at the end of your training because you have so many things in your foundation you have to put together first. But what are your scaps? It's the little flat bone behind your back that uh, connects to your, your shoulder joint. And your, your shoulders are just literally sitting on top of your rib cage. So it's very important to throwing because in throwing, if we don't stabilize the shoulder, we're going to tear it up. We're going to ruin it. And the, the, the reason it's important to scap load the throwing arm, because what you're doing is you're pulling that scap back and it's creating a stable foundation for the ball and socket to stabilize on. If not, then that, that both sides are moving all around and you won't ever be able to stabilize the joint. But if we pull the scap down, stabilizes and now it's easier for the ball and socket to stay stable in that joint so it's something that's critical to arm health um and it's something that if you don't understand everything below the chain and how that needs to be stable first 
you could stabilize your scaps all day and it won't have the effect that you want that keeping it healthy. But that's critical as you go through your arm path to keep your shoulder healthy and, and, and through the process. Okay. Yeah. And I've seen pictures of like a Roldis Chapman and people have talked about, uh, you know, his mechanics and things like that. And he's kind of got his shoulders back. Like, does he kind of have a big scap load? Would that be a, a decent example for, for someone to look and just kind of see what scap loading looks like with their, yeah, with their throwing hand? He's highly mobile. So guys that are highly mobile, you, you're going to, you know, when they get into those positions, it makes more sense because, wow, I mean, he's really back there. So, yeah, I mean, he's someone that it may just like over-exaggerated. Yeah, you can definitely see his scaps getting back. But like I said, pay attention to how the throwing scap is a lot more in a loaded position than the glove side scap. Because a lot of kids try to go both. Like, I got to pull my scaps back. And it's really more important that you get this back in position. But even more important than that, there's so many things you have to do below that before that <laughs> even is effective. So Okay, good to know. Good to know. Yeah, because that's a term that keeps coming up. And I wanted the listeners at home to be exposed to it just so they know how important this is. And it sounds like it's it's definitely uh, the icing on the cake. It's something that, you know, it's not something that they should be, you know, if you're just scap loading, if you're the man at scap loading, but do a lot of things bad, it sounds like that's not the best way to go. Right. So having that guidance is really helpful. So Yeah, because all you would be doing is you'd be doing the upper half right, but you wouldn't be doing the lower half right. And it, it doesn't work that way. Yeah. And one other, uh, I was talking to Ben Brewster and uh, he's in this session, uh, this day's session too. You guys can check that out. Cool. And, um, and so he has some really interesting teachings also. And he had talked about how you want to keep, you know, kind of like your chest. If you, let's again, let's say we're throwing this way, your hips, you know, you're going to land kind of pointing towards the target, but those shoulders to stay close. Mm -hmm. And so it's when you talk about not, yeah, when you talk about not loading that, that front scap, cause you can kind of, your, your whole body opens up together you don't get that, that separation, I guess, is what people, people call it. So do you kind of subscribe to that same belief where you've got to keep that shoulder uh, closed while those hips are open? Yeah, that came from Tom house. And I, I'm, a, you know, that really helped me in my career, hip to shoulder separation. And, but it's, and it's a huge foundation of my approach. Um, but you're right. If, if you're pulling glove side early trunk rotating, then you're not separating hips to shoulders. So that's, that's you you nailed it. So. so anyway, let's change gears just a little bit here and uh, if you had a young kid let's say 12 13 14 years old he comes to you he's like hey man i just want to be the best pitcher i can be where would you start with him what would you recommend that they do to have success now and in the future you know i, I want to get them to learn the lower half movements you know it's the the initial or it's it, it, it's it's really what's driving all your movement so um that's, that's where i want to start so you know we use drills where we implement teaching the back leg drive and the front leg stability to front leg drives. Uh, we use our, one of our products we push or promote. It's the King of the Hill. It's a force plate driver that gives us an auditorial sound if we're driving or not. Uh, we use the Velo pros as well, uh, which is uh, Jim Parquet, Big League Edge, helps us understand how to stay loaded uh, when we are generating force. It's giving these uh, kids the understanding of how the legs move the body, uh, specifically in the pitching delivery. That, that's a great place to start. And you don't even need to throw the ball, which is the coolest thing. You just you can do tons and tons of drills down there without even throwing the ball. And then you can start teaching them how the upper half works into those movements. And it works perfectly right into that. And it gives them a healthier delivery because it's being driven through their lower half through the ground and not through their upper half. 
Okay, yeah, that's fascinating. I've heard about the uh, the King of the Hill before. I've never used it or put a kid through it yet, but uh, I was talking to Jeff Bajanero. He's a uh, pitching coach for the Diamondbacks, and uh, he and I had a conversation, and that I kind of asked him if there was any gadgets because people love little you know tricks at home that uh, sort of teach the kid how to throw on its own. And he was like, you know, with our players, we use this thing called the King of the Hill, and it seems to work really well. And uh, so, you know, it's 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 um, it's it's appropriate for a younger player too, a young player, because I know it's kind of like you got to make it click and have a certain amount of weight pressure. It's not just for adults. Yeah, it's for everyone. Um, there's different springs. You can use the the less resistant or the lower resistance spring, so it's easier to click. And then you can use the heavier one for the older guys. So yeah, there's different levels to it but i mean i would say it's even better for the younger kids because they just don't understand how the legs are are creating the movements and it forces them to create that understanding because then they start working for that that click that sound that they're driving and then it starts to help them understand hey so that's what that's what it feels like to drive or, or wow now i'm driving and now i can feel the differences in my upper body because it changes everything because you have more energy coming up Okay, interesting. Yeah, I'll put a link to that here uh, below the show, and uh, and I'm not selling it. He's not selling it. This is just a um, just a well, tip I mean, for everybody that uh, that uh, has it. Fair, I do sell it, so I don't want to mislead them. But I do sell it. But you, if you want to just search it online and outside of me, just search King of the Hill Baseball, and you'll find it. But if you find it under Top Velocity, it's one of my you know biggest products that I push that I didn't develop because I really believe in it. So. Uh, okay. Well, yeah. Uh, uh, change of plans here, guys. Buy it from him. You're not going to pay more than you would at somewhere else. So oh. use his. He, he's genuine. It's a genuine guy. He's not t selling you uh, uh, something crazy. I've heard plenty of people talk about King of the Hill about being a really good deal. So uh, so anyway, we'll put a link to his site where you can pick that up and oh. uh, and learn a little bit more about some of the other products too. So um, all right. Well, we're going to let you go here. Um, is there anything, any parting advice for a parent? who's out there, they've got a kid, they love baseball, they're trying to do the best for them. Um, what's a little parting advice that you would have for them as they uh, start their new season this year? You know, I'd say focus on your development and not like your success in the present moment. You know, a lot of kids are being pushed into more play, play, play environments. And I got to win today and, and be successful today. And that, that, that should be the last of your worries. You should be focused on physical development and you got to learn this stuff and that's why it's great you're doing this podcast and this mastermind event because they you you will never develop what you want or what you want to be if you don't understand what it is you don't understand every aspect of it so there's a big learning curve going into any elite skill uh, that you have to really overcome or you have to develop and, and it starts with learning um, so i would say don't focus on the short-term success focus on where you're going to be down the road and all the building blocks that you have to put into place in the process and learn from guys like you uh, and, and me that will give you those building blocks to building uh, your success. Yeah, that's, uh, that's beautifully said. I know that's kind of a common theme for everybody following all these sessions here is that uh, you have to, it's so tempting, you know what I mean? It doesn't make a bad parent that you want to go out there and win on Saturday because it's Saturday right now. Like that's what you yeah. want is to see the success. And watching your kid throw a ball to the backstop when he's on the mound is not as cool as watching your kid strike a kid out. You know what I mean? And uh, and so there's that that uh, discipline that it takes to uh, you know just make sure the kid is trying to move properly as opposed to doing everything wrong. But he can throw strikes when he can do a certain way, and uh, you know he's not going to reach his goals. So um, it's up to you to choose on how you want your kid to to 
um, to pitch. And maybe you want him to back it off so he can throw strikes and, and you know, win the little the ring on the weekend. And that's fine. That's your choice. But if you want to, if you're listening to the speakers here, the professionals, they're all kind of saying the same thing. If you want your son to really have a high level of success, once he starts getting, you know, past puberty, high school and college, um, you've really got to start developing the proper motions now. So, um, so anyway, I appreciate you sharing with us that so much, uh, Brent. So, um, again, where can we reach you? I know, um, you've got a website, you've got social media, people want to reach out to you, find out more about your programs. Where can we find you? Thanks. Topvelocity.net. And then, you know, I'm top velocity on all the social platforms. T-O-P-V-L-O-C-I-T-Y. Okay, sweet. Yeah, we'll um, we'll link all those here underneath the video so you guys can easily check that out. Definitely follow him. He's got a great follow. He's putting up good content, um, you know, and content that you're not necessarily going to see. It's good to get, you know, several viewpoints and, um, you know, what he teaches is not always what everybody else, else teaches. And so it's really good to get uh, both perspectives and then you can decide on your own. But I know Brent's got a lot of uh, credibility and a lot of, a lot of people are benefiting from um, from, from his work and you guys can do it too. So Brent, thank you so much for being here with us today. We appreciate the time, all the information. Thank you, Clint. I really appreciate it. This was a great interview and uh, let's do it again. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right, guys. Well, again, check out those links, go ahead and follow him right now so you can follow his work and, uh, give us a call or I'm sorry, give us an email. If you guys have any questions, we're both happy to reach out to you and uh, we'll see you in the next session. Thanks.